and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting podcast the, talking about the one and only, the phenom, the dead man, the Undertaker. This is the Legacy of Legends podcast, and I'm your host, the Boss King Chase Turner, along with Tyson the Butcher. And at this time, please give a warm welcome for the one, the only, Tyson the Butcher. Thank you all for having me, and especially thank you, as, I mean, especially to you, Boss. Thank you as well for having me. This is my favorite broadcast. You know, we get to talk about the legends. And, boy, I love talking about the legends. It brings back a lot of memories. Absolutely. And especially when we're talking about possibly the greatest superstar, the wrestler of all time. And we're going to go over uh, some of the uh, interesting facts that you may have not known about The Undertaker for those that are listening today. And we want to thank everybody for listening into the Legacy of Legend podcast today. Uh, we have, for fact number one we have, he was originally supposed to make his debut as the Eggman. That says, but the plan was dropped at the last minute. Uh, fact number two we got, he said he never lost a match by tapping out to a submission hold. Fact number three we got, it says the name Undertaker was given to him by Vince McMahon. Fact number four we got, uh, he has a fear of cucumbers, which is pretty hard to believe. <laughs> And then fact number five we got, holds a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, fact number six we got, uh, he has faced Kane with the most number of times in his career. And then fact number seven we got, is that he loves motorcycles and has a nice collection of Harley, Davidson, and West Coast choppers. Fact number eight we got, uh, it says back in his uh, university days, he played basketball for Texas Wesley Ann. And then uh, fact number nine we got, uh, he was a uh, judge for a wrestler's court, uh, which would uh, he punish any uh, wrestler who broke the rules, usually for making them by Jack Daniels. <laughs> and then fact number ten we got, and on one occasion he loaned his house to Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolene. Your thoughts on all that? That is a, an impressive, an impressive uh, resume. You know, The Undertaker is the most respected wrestler I have ever seen. I, I've never ever heard anybody say anything bad about Mark Calloway, better known as The Undertaker. I, I can't recall any. And I've seen lots of interviews and documentaries on The Undertaker, and I've never ever heard anybody say anything bad about him. Uh, one thing, one major thing I really respect about The Undertaker is he's not greedy. Uh, he could have easily won more world titles and more championships that he has, but he believed in getting over the younger talent. He was the, uh, the locker room general. He was the leader and, uh, he is respected by Every wrestling, every true wrestling fan there is out there, I, I've not ran into one person that could say one bad thing about The Undertaker. Absolutely. He's got my respect as well. And uh, most recently, though, you know, we saw The Undertaker at Raw 25, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What was that like seeing The Undertaker at Raw 25? It was awesome. You know, you still... You know, he's been around for such a long time, but even right now, when that music plays and you see him, you still get 
goosebumps. You still get chills, and you have when you see him, you give your utmost respect for the man. And I, I would think at this point you wouldn't get goosebumps or chills or be nervous, but you still do whenever you see him and you see that music. I mean, you hear that music and you see those uh, the, 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 the the clouds come out and you see his eyes roll back in his head. I mean, you, you still get you still get kind of scared. <laughs> no one plays that gimmick better. And, uh, you know, Vince McMahon, at this particular time, you know, he had a brilliant idea of giving uh, Mark uh, this gimmick, playing The Undertaker. This is a brilliant idea by Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon, you know, was a mastermind at, uh, probably not anymore, but at this particular time, he was a mastermind, and he delivered a brilliant idea for The Undertaker, and it worked every, I'll tell you what, you couldn't find a better person to play it than, than uh, The Undertaker, right? All right, let's go over some interesting facts that, uh, not interesting facts, but I mean interesting feuds that, uh, top ten feuds that The Undertaker had. Uh, one of his uh, top ten uh, feuds that he had was against the Viper, Randy Orton. What, what was that like for you, Tyson? That was that was a great uh, feud. Um, that could have went easily either way, especially at WrestleMania. Uh, Randy Orton even brought his father to get involved in the feud. At WrestleMania, I, I really thought that, and a few other, you know, thought that Randy had the Undertaker's number because anything that the Undertaker threw at Randy, Randy had a reverse for it. But Randy, but uh, the Undertaker, you know, he's a vet and he he knows a lot of things and he had more tricks up his sleeve and he knew tricks that Randy didn't necessarily uh, know and he pulled them. And he caught Randy off guard, and he got the one, two, three at WrestleMania. That was probably one of my favorite feuds: Randy Orton versus uh, the Viper. I mean, I'm sorry, Randy Orton, the Viper versus the Undertaker. My apologies. Oh yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, the Randy Orton, whenever he, whenever they were, they were facing the Undertaker, you know, Randy Orton thought he had it all figured out. You know, in this one particular segment they did on SmackDown, I believe, where we had a casket out there, and you know. They, Randy Orton thought he was going to play mind games with the Undertaker and had this all figured out. Well, lo and behold, when he opens the casket, what is in there? None other than the Undertaker. And uh, he comes out and choke slams Randy Orton, I believe, and his father at that time. It was such a, a, an incredible moment. And it's like, there's so many different segments that they did between these two guys. And uh, the bolt of lightning, or whatever that camera trick that they did. So a lot of people probably still don't know if that is, you know... Undertaker's power or tricks or whatever, we don't know. It was, it just absolutely shooks the ring. Uh, strange things would happen. With, when the Undertaker, he absolutely showed his force of power, his force of supernatural powers. And I tell you what, <laughs> it, it's just, uh, it's almost impossible to, to uh, compete against someone that has the supernatural powers that the Undertaker had. Uh, let's talk about uh, another interesting feud that he had was against CM Punk. What was that like uh, for you, watching CM Punk and the Undertaker go at it? Oh, man, i tell you what. It, to me, I, I was sitting there going, when I was watching it, CM Punk was uh, managed by um, none other than Paul Heyman at the time. And I was sitting there going, why is CM Punk provoking this guy? He's just doing everything in his power to piss off the Undertaker. Why in the world... 
are you that crazy enough to, to make the phenom mad at you? That's not going to end well with you. I, I enjoyed the feud, though. It was really good. Yeah, I think uh, CM Punk and Undertaker had a really interesting feud as well. Uh, let's talk about, uh, we got Edge as our number one uh, feud that he had. Uh, what was your thoughts on that feud? That was a fun feud. You know, Edge, like Randy Orton, seemed to have uh, the Undertaker's number. And they went back and forth for a very long time. And um, I, I, I thought, you know, that Edge was another up-and-coming superstar. I thought that Undertaker was going to you know, lose his uh, streak at WrestleMania for, but thank goodness he didn't do that. And uh, that was a lot of fun because Edge was the heel at the time and uh, uh, The Undertaker was the anti-heel, I mean, the anti, you know, anti-hero, excuse me. And uh, that, that made for a good storyline. One of the very things that I love that The Undertaker does is when he pops up in the middle of the ring and you don't see it coming. You know, it's just like the lights go out, like within a second, and he does, and the lights come back on, and within a second, he's right there behind you or right in front of your face. I mean, can you imagine being standing somewhere and, and, and you're not expecting it, and that guy comes popping up in front of your face and you just don't know it's, it's going to happen or anything like that? That's scary, man. <laughs> yeah, the dead man definitely had uh, that way with Superstar. I mean, that, that uh, absolutely when he came in the ring, he if you didn't you didn't uh, respect the man, you did after the match. I guarantee you that much. Uh, also, I wanted to point out that Edge and Undertaker had one of the best matches ever at WrestleMania. It seemed like Edge had almost every counter for every uh, move that Undertaker could deliver in that match, and on that night. I really was on the edge of my seat thinking that, oh, my God, I think the Undertaker streak's going to end here tonight. And somehow, some way, the fiend on the dead man found a way to beat Edge, but not by much. Uh, that was, to me, one of my favorite feuds as well. And the next one is uh, truly one of my favorite feuds that the Undertaker had, and that against the one and only, the animal, Batista. What was that like for you, watching them two go at it? That was wild because those two, uh, they particularly did not care for each other. They were even, they were even tag team champions. And when they became tag team champions, I was like, damn, who the hell is going to be Undertaker and, and, and Batista? There's nobody that's going to be Undertaker and Batista. That, that, that's impossible. Those guys are just, you know, too good to, to, to be beaten, but, you know, they had, uh, you know, and when Undertaker, you know, challenged for the World Heavyweight Championship at the time, he went to ECW, had a face-off with Bobby Lashley. But when he faced off with, uh, against uh, Batista at Raw, I mean, uh, I thought that was about a SmackDown or Raw, one of those. But I thought that was uh, the best option. And everybody wanted that. Everybody wanted to see the Undertaker uh, versus Batista, because the Batista at the time was on a roll. It seemed like, you know, no one could slow him down or anything like that. But, you know, later on at WrestleMania, the Phenom beat the, beat the Animal for the championship. But that was a, that was a very good feud. And, uh, it was a good, really good match at WrestleMania. Well, to me, when I was watching the Batista and the Undertaker go at it, uh, it, it was absolutely intense. 
I mean, them guys absolutely destroying everything. The ring. Uh, was one time where uh, I believe where Batista and Undertaker were on the stage where they got thrown through uh, a last man standing match, I believe it was. And they got, uh, I believe Batista speared the Undertaker. When he did, they went on the edge of that off the stage ramp and it absolutely exploded all the uh, equipment that they had, electronics for that stage. And he went off the stage and, and everybody was like, they couldn't even, you know, give a winner in that match. No one was left standing in a match like that. And the, the feud that they had was just unbelievable, unreal. And, and if you didn't watch it, <laughs> you <laughs> wouldn't believe it. And if you did watch it, you still sit there in amazement and awe, like, did this really happen? I mean, a few that they, they had, to me, the best feud ever. And, and the fans really loved it and uh, marked out on it. Uh, another great feud, uh, to my estimation, that uh, we have on the, this list here, is the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. What was that like for you, watching the, your boy, Brock Lesnar, go up against The Undertaker? It was hard to, 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 to go against The Undertaker because I love Brock, but my favorite match between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar was Hell in a Cell, and that match was absolutely freaking brutal. I mean, if you remember, and I'm pretty sure you do, and I'm sure everybody out there uh, remembers it or at least seen it as well, uh, that whole match, the, the, the referee, Heyman, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, the mat on on on, on the uh, uh, the canvas of the ring was full of blood. Everybody that was involved in that mat match was bloody, and it was crazy because they brought out everything to try to destroy each other. And what I also thought was that match was very very personal because Brock Lesnar at the time was going. At, uh, the Undertaker's family members, like his wife, who was pregnant, and, you know, he was touching the, the, the pregnant wife's, uh, he was touching her belly where the baby laid, and it was extremely personal, and, uh, Brock Lesnar also broke the Undertaker's hand. Stephanie McMahon went on to say that, well, the match is going to continue, whether his hand is broken or not, and Paul Heyman and uh, Lesnar didn't like that. And I, I thought it was probably one of the best feuds, not because Brock Lesnar is my boy, but because it's the truth. I, I thought it was one of the best feuds. And that feud, you know, carried on when Brock Lesnar um, returned to the WWE uh, later on. Um, Brock Lesnar has the best uh, win-loss record against The Undertaker. He's only lost once. Um, for me, watching The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, one of my favorites, of course, was at SummerSlam. Where an interesting uh, point during the match where Brock Lesnar thought he had The Undertaker down for the count. And Brock Lesnar sets up and starts laughing. And then, out of nowhere, The Undertaker sets up and laughs and looks right at him. And uh, to me, that to me, one of the most incredible moments right there. Who would have thought, you know, at that particular point in the match that Undertaker would have set up and laughed right and then slapped him right back. And it was it was just almost incredible. They had one of the best feuds and I loved it. And it's, a, it's of course it's a shame that we that the Undertaker probably can't wrestle anymore. Uh, we'll see if he he might have one more match at WrestleMania this year. Uh, we'll see. Uh, let's uh, talk about 
The next feud is set on the board for the Undertaker is the Cerebral Assassin, the King of Kings, the game, Triple H. What was that like for you watching Triple H and the Undertaker go at it? That was like one of my favorite feuds, uh, uh, especially around WrestleMania. Uh, Triple H is one of the only wrestlers, is the only wrestler, I'm sorry, to face the phenom at the, at the world's greatest event, which is WrestleMania, three different times. I thought Triple H had his number when he had Shawn Michaels, uh, refereeing and, and doing the refereeing that Shawn Michaels super kicked, uh, The Undertaker and we all thought that, you know, okay, well this is it. Triple H is going to cheat the, you know, to beat the streak. Well, you know, thankfully at the time that didn't happen. I thought that their feud was, was probably the best, the best out of most of them, I mean, I, I enjoyed that feud, and I, I especially enjoyed the ones at, at WrestleMania. They had some uh, really crazy matches between the two. Not only that, I mean, Triple H and Undertaker have the best entrance ever, and I think in all time. And so whenever they come out, you're like, oh, shit. It's the, the shit's fixing to go down, shit's fitting to hit the fan, and it's fist, like, as Trickle JR says, business is about to pick up. And no doubt. When Triple H and Undertaker went at it, business picked up, and they went full throttle, and it, they didn't let up until the bell sound, and there was nothing left of them, naturally, after the match. But, uh, wow. I mean, they just really had, truly, one of the best feuds. Uh, let's talk about the next one. Uh, as the one and only against the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin, what was that like for you, watching the Rattlesnake and the Undertaker go at it? That was fun because you have two badasses going at it. Undertaker's a badass. Hell, he uh, collects all those uh, motorcycles, and he lives the gimmick he portrays on TV. I mean, what you see in The Undertaker on television is what you get in real life. He really is a badass, you know, in, in, in real life. Uh, he's, a, he's a biker in real life. He's part of a, a, or at least was part of a Hell's Angels gang in real life. Um, Undertaker is a man's man, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, same thing. What you're seeing on on TV with Stone Cold Steve Austin is what you're seeing in real life with Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, he wasn't fake, and neither was the Undertaker, and they were both man's man. And when those two faced off in the middle of the ring. It was just simply classic because they both gave it their all and they both basically beat the living hell out of each other, especially when there was a championship at stake. To me, I think they had the best chemistry and, and the crowd fed off it. Whenever they both came out, it was just an incredible atmosphere. And it's, no matter if Stone Cold was a face or a heel, no matter if Derek was a face or a heel, you still love the guys because they just brought that, like I said, that great charisma about them and that persona about them. And uh, it just, it's just incredible out. The fights that they had was just absolutely amazing. Uh, let's talk about his next uh, one that he had, and that is against, oh boy, are you ready for this one? Mankind versus The Undertaker. And who can for not forget about the time The Undertaker threw Mankind off Hell in a Cell? Do you remember that? Oh my God! Do I remember that? You know, I I, I, I remember uh, the King 
you know, after that happened, the king said, that's it, he's dead. And they got back up, and the Undertaker's eyes kind of got like, you know, like he was surprised that he got back up. That happened uh, in, in cold Philadelphia, and, you know, I thought it was over. Once he threw him off the helm, I said, oh, geez, he just killed the guy. But, uh, mankind, I thought, you know, that Mankind and The Undertaker were pretty much, in my mind, even because they both brought it all to each other and they both uh, kicked each other's asses. And I thought that Mankind got the best of The Undertaker uh, more than a few times, even though The Undertaker did win, but he did get the best of The Undertaker more than a few times when uh, Mankind was playing the heel rule. And, uh, you know, the Hell in a Cell match was, you know, the most rememberable match, I think, in in wrestling history. It, it was scary as hell when, when I seen The Undertaker throw Mankind off that uh, the top of that cell. And what really creeps me out is Mankind... Um, said in the interview, he is you want to bring the roof off the place, this was during the match, and Undertaker was like, what you want to do? And he goes, throw me off the top of the cell. And Undertaker was like, was basically said, okay. And that's what happened. And I was just in shock, and not only did Undertaker throw him off the cell, but when he got him back inside the cage, he threw him through the ring. You could, uh, Mankind was basically indestructible, the Undertaker found a way to beat the guy. <laughs> yeah, as like you said, Mankind was indestructible, like he was a Terminator or something. And, uh, you know, at one point in the match, you know, we got, they've got the, the EMTs out here, they're going to put him on the stretcher, right? And we're going to escort Mankind, and Mankind out of the building. And that crazy son of a bitch gets off the damn stretcher. Next thing you know, he's going right back into the hell of the cell, with the Undertaker, and, and uh, I believe uh, Mankind suffered a broken collarbone and all kinds of different injuries during that match. Uh, the guy's crazy, and you have <laughs> you're going up against a point opponent that, that that don't give a damn about you, don't care you know what I'm going to do to you. You know the Undertaker's there to make you rest in peace, to bury you, to destroy you, to kill you, and Mankind he act like he didn't give a damn, and that's why <laughs> to me. <laughs> In my estimation, they had one of the best feuds of all time. Uh, let's talk about another one, though. And are you ready for this one? Against the show-off, Mr. WrestleMania, the one, the only, Shawn, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. What was that like for you, watching Heartbreak Kid and The Undertaker? Go at it. That was fun because you had really two different personalities go at it. You had uh, HBK, who was the flamboyant sex machine, then you had The Undertaker, who was the dead man who had no heart, didn't give a damn about nobody or nothing. He just wanted to destroy you. And it was fun because I remember a couple times in the match where uh, HBK super kicked The Undertaker and then, you know, gave him the flying elbow. And The Undertaker sat up, you know, like it had no effect on him. And his breathing was normal again, like he just walked back in the match, like he was uh, brand new, you know, like he just came into the match and he was fresh. And and that was that was freaky because I was just like, man, these guys just went, they it went 
20, 25, 30, maybe half an hour, maybe a minute, maybe an hour, and Undertaker is breathing like he, you know, just got rested for like a couple hours and he came back into the match. How the hell is anybody going to beat this guy? I mean, my God, I mean, you know, if someone can control, you know, the rest periods and stuff like that and make themselves a new like the Undertaker used to, it's going to be nearly impossible to beat him. You know, the Undertaker and uh, Shawn Michaels, they pushed each other to the limit, to the round, and their matches, and the tension they brought was incredible. I absolutely love the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker going at it. Uh, they, To me, Heartbreak Kid has one of the best finishers. Uh, the course is the super kick. The Undertaker has the choke slam, the tombstone. Uh, but it seemed like in that match at WrestleMania between Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker, they really lived the bar. They lived up to the expectation. The crowd fed off it. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, that match, we had good versus evil going at it. At least that's what they were, were portraying it to be. So basically, he had God going up against the devil at WrestleMania. And, and everybody thought at this particular act, okay, well, they got this story set up. And everybody's thinking, okay, yeah, Shawn Michaels definitely going to beat The Undertaker here tonight. Because they got Shawn Michaels looking like a like God, and they, you know, the Undertaker's playing the devil part. So everybody thought, okay, this is going to be tonight, Undertaker's going to lose the streak, and somehow the Undertaker found a way to prevail and win, and it was amazing. Amazing to watch. Uh, let's talk about another feud that uh, the Undertaker had, and this is his number one feud that's on this top ten list, and it is against his brother, the demon himself, Kane, the big red machine. What was that like for you, watching Kane and the Undertaker go at it? That was very interesting because even though they're not really brothers, um, they betrayed his brothers at, on TV. And here you got two brothers kicking each other's asses. I remember when um, it was, I think it was Undertaker and Alma Cell against HBK, and we saw the appearance for the first time ever his brother Kane, that was rumored for weeks and months to return, and every—I mean, I mean, I mean—to make an appearance. I'm sorry, and by Paul Bearer, and everybody was like, "Oh, Paul Bearer's blocker. There's no Kane." Blah blah blah. And the storyline that w was awesome because of the, the the parents dying and all kinds of just awful. Uh, things going on in, 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 in both of their past, you know, made for an interesting feud and good television. So I really did. I really enjoyed the, uh, I really enjoyed the feud and it became even more interesting when both, when the, when they both teamed up and became the brothers of destruction and they were both managed by none other than Paul Bearer. By the way, rest in peace, Paul, you were missed. Okay, well, let's talk about that next. Uh, you, you mentioned the Brothers of Destruction. What was that like for you, watching the Undertaker and Kane working together as a tag team, as a Brother of Destruction for you? First thing I thought was, who's going to beat these guys? That's exactly what I thought. I, I thought, who's going to beat these guys? You can't beat them. They're both big. They're both strong. What you saw in the Undertaker, you saw in Kane. Kane could do what the Undertaker could do. Undertaker can do what Kane could do. The only difference between the two was that uh, the Undertaker was better on the mic, and that's the only difference. 
But if you, but the truth of the matter is, both of them were exactly alike because Undertaker can do what Kane could do. They were like doubles, and they both could do what each other, what one could do, and that's what um, I thought made it very, very awesome because they were so alike. It was crazy, and when they first met Undertaker, I remember. Tombstone came at least three, four times before he got a pinfall because Kane just kept kicking out of it. Amazing, amazing, right? Uh, let's talk about the next thing that The Undertaker did, and one of my favorites, which I don't think we'll ever get to see again, was whenever he formed the Ministry of Darkness uh, faction. What was that like for you, watching the Ministry of Darkness take over Monday Night Raw week in and week out, which they did? Well, first of all, that was the WWE's version of the NWO. <laughs> but that being said, uh, it was really scary, and they, they, did, they did it better and a lot more creepier. I remember a couple times, well, one time, the uh, Undertaker was feuding with Stone Cold, and Undertaker took Stone Cold and put him on the Undertaker symbol, and sent him off. You know, he was he was in the air, and that made it scary. And then when Undertaker kidnapped the boss's daughter, um, Vince McMahon, when he kidnapped her daughter, when he kidnapped Stephanie McMahon, and pretty much did the same thing to her, and he was going to he was going to uh, sacrifice her on national live TV. They upped the ante, so to speak, with the Ministry of Darkness. And it was it was really creepy. You saw Undertaker on a throne. He had people worshiping him like he was a god. It was crazy. <laughs> it's exciting TV, and and uh, here you are watching Monday Raw, and you're you're uh, you kind of get lost a little bit when you're watching it, and you kind of forget that you're watching Raw for a little bit because you got this guy that's so dark, so evil, and you feel like you're watching a movie or something, and. Uh, this guy, uh, he, would, he, he just blows your mind, and he, you, you kind of get possessed a little bit by watching. But luckily, they had Stone Cold out, out there to come out there and save poor Stephanie. Otherwise, she was supposed to get married to the the, the devil, pretty much. Uh, that was an incredible, like I said, exciting TV. Uh, let's talk about the next thing that happened, which is another branch off from the Ministry of Darkness. We had the corporate ministry. What was that like for you? Um, I didn't care for the corporate ministry because it just, you know, it, it got way too big. And um, when Undertaker was Ministry of Darkness, well, he was playing the anti-hero, and he they were just against everybody. Making a corporate in a ministry, I really didn't like that because that just, you know, kind of sounded like uh, he sold out, and you know, he you know got with Vince McMahon and. You know, it just sounds, I, I really didn't care for it. Okay, and let's talk about the next thing The Undertaker did, and one of his gimmicks he did was the American Badass. What was that like for you, watching The Undertaker play The American Badass? The American Badass, to me, when he was a biker, did the biker gimmick, that, to me, was was awesome because that was Undertaker really being himself. He really is a biker, he really is a badass in real life, and the American Badass, to me, was his best gimmick. That was my favorite gimmick as well. 
I remember he was feuding with uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and um, a few others, and he also won the uh, World Heavyweight Championship as the uh, the biker as well. I liked it because Undertaker was was himself, and I loved his promo when because he went up in the ring. He sat there and said, he sat there and said, you know what? My look may have changed, but make no mistake about it. I'm still down with the devil, and I'll still beat your ass. <laughs> I loved it. No doubt about it. The Undertaker, when he got in the ring, he whoops the ass. And, and that music hit off, and you could see. I mean, there was a whole ring. There was one, one of these particular moments. There was a whole ring full of superstars out there, and the Undertaker single-handedly took all them superstars out of the ring. It was like... It was incredible. I mean, like, wow, this guy really does have supernatural powers, and you really start to buy into it and believe it. And that's what, you know, Undertaker did. He made you buy into his gimmick, to his, uh, his what he did in the ring, and he sewed it. He sewed it perfect, and we all was hooked. And once Undertaker had us hooked, we were in it. And, and that's what was so exciting uh, to get to watch the Undertaker play that biker gimmick. Uh also, let's talk about most recent news. We're hearing that The Undertaker may have a match at WrestleMania this year against the one and only, you, Mr. You-Can't-See-Me, John Cena. At least that's the rumor we've heard. Is that still in, in the car on the table for us, Tyson, or what have you heard? Well, that's what I heard. That's what I keep hearing. That's to be John Cena versus uh, uh, The Undertaker at WrestleMania 34. Am I for it? No. I'm not because they, they've wrestled before, and you know, with all the superstars that the uh, that you know the WWE has, you know, Undertaker can easily go against somebody else. But if it was me and I ran things, and unfortunately I don't, I would not have Undertaker face anybody at all. You know, because I, you know, I, I don't like I don't. The guy's older now, and and he's a family man, and you know. He looked great on Raw 25, but, you know, I really doubt that he can go 30, 40, maybe an hour anymore and, and, and the ring. And, you know, I don't want to see the guy hurt and in a wheelchair and on crutches for the rest of his life. You know, I'm not trying to spoil anybody's parade or rain on anybody's parade or be in anybody's uh, negativity, but I'm just being real. And I'm just being honest. I don't want to see him hurt. And I, I just, you know, want him to uh, enjoy life because he gave a good bit of his life to entertain us on television and on pay-per-views and stuff like that. And, you know, he, to me, is in at least in the top three when it comes greats of all time. And I honestly don't, you know, want to see him come back. Uh, number one reason, not only because of his health and I don't want to see him hurt, but the streak is over. And that is, when that streak ended, when Brock Lesnar defeated him at WrestleMania to end the streak, that was one of the saddest things i ever seen in sports entertainment. I do, I believe that The Undertaker should have retired with the streak intact. And if Undertaker's to come back if I was to bring The Undertaker back, it would be for him to wrestle for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship or the Universal title, and I would retire him that way out of respect for him.
that's one thing that she mentioned right there. I do agree with you that the streak should have ended, you know, intact. When he, whenever he finally had his last match, he should have had the, the streak unbeaten. And to now, at WrestleMania, you know, that was the one big thing we had to look forward to every year is we had the Undertaker streak. And that, to me, that's why I always wanted to tune into WrestleMania because, you know, that's tonight. The Undertaker's going to be defending his streak. Is the streak going to continue, you know? And whenever they gave it to Brock Lesnar, you can hear, you know, a lot of fans did not like it because, you know, Brock Lesnar is a part-timer. And uh, I think they should have gave it to an upcoming superstar who would have been more deserving, like Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker. And if Braun Strowman would have beat The Undertaker, I think that would have got a better response because, you know, this is a guy that's an upcomer and the crowd love him. Uh, let's talk about a dream match that a lot of us want to see, and even the icon Sting uh, wants this as well. He's put off his uh, neck injury surgery on hold because he wants to have one last match with the Phenom, the Undertaker at WrestleMania. The, the bigger question is, Tyson, will we ever get to see it? Probably. Um, because, you know... I, Sting is, is, is sacrificing himself right now by putting off this surgery. You know, he's showing a good world. He's showing Vince McMahon. He runs the WWE. Hey, look, I'm risking my health here. I'm risking my health to give the fans this match. You know, Sting loves the fans like The Undertaker loves the fans. Sting gave it 100 in the ring, just like The Undertaker gave it 100 in the ring. So I've not met one person in life that would not want to see Undertaker and Sting in the ring one-on-one at WrestleMania or any event, really. SummerSlam, but WrestleMania would be the Mecca for that match. So, therefore, I think it'll happen. If it doesn't, you know, it's robbing us fans because, you know, for one, Undertaker's still under contract. Sting is still under contract for, for, for uh, WWE, too. Okay, what's the sense of having both of them around under contract and, and the WWE if you're not going to give us the match that everybody wants us to see? Looking at the WrestleMania card right now, okay, to be honest with you, it sucks. You want to make that WrestleMania card at least worth watching? So what? Brock's going to go against Roman Reigns and Hell in a Cell. Who gives a damn? But you want people to really have big interest in WrestleMania this year, you put Undertaker against Sting one-on-one in a match at WrestleMania, made a minute over all the titles, make it the last match, and you will have interest from everybody because everybody wants to see that match. That is the top match that everybody wants to see. The question is, if that match ever happens, will we see the biker undertaker or will, and will we see and which sting will we see will we see the joker sting will we see the sting we saw in nwa will we see the sting from the nwo times the Wolfpack sting which sting will we see and it really doesn't matter which undertaker and which sting pops up we all know this for a fact they're going to bring the house down because those two, old or young, can put on one of the greatest performances that any of us will ever see in our lifetimes. 
I'd say it would be a match that everybody would like to see. I think another great, interesting match that I think the fans would like to see is Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker. If we could have Sting, maybe Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker. I think the fans would like that as well. Well, we went over a, quite a lot of stuff here today on The Undertaker. Uh, in your estimation, in your mind, how, how will The Undertaker be best remembered by looking back when his career is all said and done? Uh, how do you think he's going to be best remembered? Respected, and because he was not greedy, um, there is not one person that I've ever met, I've never ever heard anybody say any kind of disrespectful, disrespectful things about The Undertaker. He is the most respected superstar I've ever seen in my life. There's no one that's more respected than the phenom, the dead man, known as The Undertaker. And he will go down probably the greatest of all time. He's respected. He was a, he was a ring general. He was a, a general in the back for the boys. He was a leader. And when that man spoke, you respected him, and you also listened to what he had to say because not only was he the dead man, but he was very, very intelligent, and he can make any wrestler, anybody, look good in that ring. And if you're going to listen to anybody... You're going to listen to him. And another thing, when the Undertaker looked at you, with that, I mean, that, that quick turn of his head is kind of like, it just gave you cold chills. And, and any superstar that, that walked out, you know, in a match with the Undertaker, you can't help but get a little chills and, you know, afraid of this guy. This guy played that gimmick so well. And you and you actually believed that he was satanic, evil, uh, devil. As you basically, he felt like he was walking the ring with the devil, and uh, that's what the Undertaker did, and he played it so damn well. Uh, you know, the Undertaker had so many great matches that he created as well: the casket match, the buried alive match. What was that like for you, uh, watching the Undertaker go at it, and some of these classic matches at the buried alive match and casket match for you? My, my favorite match, uh, buried alive match with him would probably be him against Vince McMahon when King popped up and Vince McMahon was talking about his greater power, his greatest power, higher power or whatever. No one expected it to be King. I, I mean, King, I didn't. And I loved it because uh, Undertaker beat the living hell out of Vince and, and men in that match. You want to talk about blood and drama and stuff. You go back and you watch that match because Undertaker beat the living hell out of Vince McMahon so bad that he was dripping blood. Another thing I want to bring up, you want to talk about fear and respect. Like you said earlier, uh, when the Undertaker gave you a cold, chill look, uh, you're like, oh, my God, this is the devil. This is pure evil, blah, blah, blah. I remember when the Undertaker won, and he remember when he was going around to pick he won the Royal Rumble, and he was going around to pick which world title from what organization that he wanted to wrestle for at WrestleMania. One of the guys that he showed up for was at ECW, and that was against Bobby Lashley. Even Bobby Lashley, as big and powerful and as strong as he is, took two steps back away from the dead man. And that's saying a lot. Another great thing that I thought was awesome about The Undertaker I think everything's great about him. But one of my favorite things was, I think it was at the Armageddon, and it was Rock versus Triple H. 
and you had everybody beating the living hell out of the rock. Well, what happens? The kids popped up, and and they said he's here, and the and you heard the you know new theme music and all this stuff in the background, and um, Undertaker comes out and his murder cycle, and he circles the ring, and then he gets in the ring and he kicks everybody's ass. I I love that. Okay, uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, and then we're going to probably wrap this up, we're going we're gonna to talk about when do you think The Undertaker will be put into the WWE Hall of Fame? Obviously, I don't think it will happen this year because they're going to use him. When do you think it will happen? At the absolute end of his career when his contract is, when his WrestleMania appearances are at its end. You understand what I'm saying? Let's say he's got three more years on his contract. They're not going to... I don't think he's going to do that until, uh, you know, his contract is about up and they're about ready to put him into the Hall of Fame. But he's said in interviews, he gets locked up in the Hall of Fame. I'm not dead yet. That's exactly, that's exactly what he said. It was on YouTube. He goes, I'm not dead yet physically. So why put me in the Hall of Fame? He goes, I'm not ready yet. Because they, they've asked him about it. Well, and, and you know that that's just respect that the Undertaker has, I mean, for his business, and he loves his business, and he's the kind of guy that it's going to take medical WWE doctors just to say, hey, you can't compete anymore. That's what it's going to take. And until we get to that point where the medical doctors step in and they just step in and say, hey, you're not, you're not, you can't, we can't let you compete anymore. You have too many injuries. And I think until it gets to that point, I think the Undertaker... He may be 60 years old or 70 years old and still trying to compete at WrestleMania, and I, I, I for one, do not want to see that happen, but I, that's just how devoted, you know, The Undertaker is to this business. He is going to give it his all, and just like Ric Flair, Ric Flair is still fi- trying to find a way to compete for the WWE again, you know, and that's just this, how much they love this business, and they're willing to, to, to bleed and sacrifice their own life to die in the ring, if that's what it takes, they're willing to do it. That's just how much they love this business, and they love the fans. And that's why Undertaker has earned the respect of many superstars, because they can see that when he comes out, that this guy truly, truly uh, cares about the business, cares not only just about the fans, but about the superstars that are upcoming. And like you said, he was willing to take losses, willing to... Uh, had opportunities to get championship uh, that he had opportunity to get. He passed it up to push the younger superstars, and that is truly remarkable that he cares so much about the fans and about the superstars. He is truly a one of a kind. Well, Tyson, uh, anything else you wanted to add on the Undertaker before we wrap this up? And I want to tell everybody the next Legacy of Legend podcast we're going to do will be again the one and only. The Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're going to get wild next time we do Legacy of Legend podcast talking about Stone Cold. Well, you know, that's going to be a exciting uh, broadcast. And, uh, you know, like you, I could sit here and talk forever about The Undertaker. If I was to create a wrestler, it would be The Undertaker. He's got it all, and he can do it all. I mean, you know... I respect him so much. When he was in an interview, I was watching him. They asked him, they said, why do you bow in the ring on one knee? Is that for a higher power? He goes, it's not only for my higher power, 
But he goes, it's also for the fans that came out to come see me. It's showing them respect because they've showed me respect throughout all my years of wrestling. So that is me giving love back to them. And I think that's one of the most awesome things in the world for him to do that. I totally agree. Well, once again, Tyson, I want to thank you for joining me today. We've had a hell of a good time talking about The Undertaker, and I want to say personally to The Undertaker, thank you for your phenomenal career. Uh, I just hope that, you know, he can give us one more match at WrestleMania, and then I would say it's time for him to hang it up. But you never know about The Undertaker, how, as much as he loves the business and how crazy he is. We just don't ever know. The Undertaker might keep on going for a few more years of WrestleMania. But it truly is awesome to get to watch and to even call some of his matches. Me and you uh, had an opportunity to call a few of his matches, and just to have that opportunity to call some of his matches is truly an honor. And I just wanted to say thank you to Tyson, and thank you, uh, Undertaker, for an amazing, phenomenal career. And we can't wait to see you at WrestleMania. Are you ready to see the Undertaker at WrestleMania, Tyson? I'm always ready to see The Undertaker at WrestleMania. What I wish they would do is put The Undertaker in a hell in a cell against New Day. That would be great. <laughs> Him and uh, Kane together against New Day. That would just be, that would be awesome. I would love it. It would be, it'd be great to see because I know New Day would be crap in their pants. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I think the fans would really love that as well. I don't think Vince McMahon would like that. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, play the Undertaker's theme song again, and then uh, we're going to sign off for here. And I want to tell all these fans to join us next uh, weekend. We're going to do another Legacy of Legend podcast talking about the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's about to get wild next weekend. Of course, we went wild with the Undertaker here today as well. <laughs> all right. Well, here is the Undertaker's theme song. We'll see you next time. I'm the Boss King Chase Carter, along with Tyson the Butcher. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.